Well, we're changing a little bit of our series on hope. We're moving into some things here today about developing hope, developing how you can have that confession of hope. Heard a story of a seasick passenger who's on a cruise ship. How many have ever been on a cruise ship? I was on one time. They called it a cruise ship. My wife said she was on one, a real one and that this one was not. <laughs> but it was free. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> But it wasn't a real one. We actually pulled up to a real one, and, and you know, you could see we're like, like a little tugboat next to it. But we were on the on the cruise ship. But if you've been on a ship before, you may have gotten seasick, and there was a seasick passenger on this cruise ship, and he's just kind of hanging out over the side of the the, the ship. And one of the uh, uh, one of the staff saw him there and came up and tried to console him a little bit and said, "Don't worry, sir. No one has ever died of seasickness before." And he turned to him with almost an angry look. And he says, don't tell me that. That's the only thing that's keeping me alive. <laughs> Sometimes we have hopes based in the wrong area, don't we? We want to make sure that we have hopes based in the right area. Doing the things that God has called us to do. We're over in, the, uh, in a number of different scriptures here today. Speaking about the hope of liberty. That we have been called to a freedom. We have been called to liberty. But there are an awful lot of things that pull us out of that. And if we listen to ourselves, we find out that our confession is not based on the liberty we've been called to, but our confession is based on some kind of bondage we have fallen into or that people have put us into. You all know people are pretty good at that too, aren't they? In Romans, the 8th chapter, in verse 21, it says, Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How many of you all know that we have a liberty coming. It's not here yet, but we have a liberty coming. I'm looking forward to that liberty that's coming. I mean, it's we, it can be good with God now, but oh, the liberty that is coming. And the Word of God says that all creation groans and waits for this liberty to be coming. We're looking for this thing to get here. In Galatians chapter 2, and verse 4, it says, And this, this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So here he's talking about a liberty that we have now. Now we told you before, hope is always future. But there are some things that we have now and some things that we will have in the future. And we must always make sure that our confession of hope is for those things in the future. Our confession of faith is for those things we have. And that's really the difference between the two you're going to have a confession based on some things you have already been given. And you're going to have a confession of some things based on what is to come. What is coming to you, some of them might be in this life and some of them are in the life, life that is to come. But there's a freedom that we have now. And there is a freedom that we will be coming into. And thank God we're always growing into the freedom that we even have now. How many of you all know as free as you are now, you can be freer? We can get freer than what we are. And we want to get to that place. But let's take a look at what we have here first. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, this is Jesus speaking, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So He is here to proclaim liberty to the captives. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is what his purpose was for. Now we all know we've gone over this passage before. But Jesus is quoting from a scripture. That these folks know really really well. That the prophet prophesied this about the coming Messiah. But the, the difference was. When Jesus read this. They've all read this passage of scripture many times in the synagogue. Many times they had read this. But this time was different. Because Jesus came up and they had turned to the place they were supposed to read from. And Jesus read from the place they were supposed to read from, which was this one. And he began to read from it. But here's Jesus did something different. He stopped. He stopped here. But the prophet didn't stop there. The prophet kept going. And the people, for a moment, you have to picture that they were confused for a little bit. Why did he stop? Because Jesus stopped when it, when it ceased to prophesy of his ministry now. And then it went on to prophesy about a, a ministry that would be to come. 
because the prophets even then, they didn't understand that when Messiah came, that there was two parts to what he would do. There's the first part when Jesus came and lived and died on the cross. Then there's the second part when he'd come back as the Messiah. They didn't understand that. They saw it all as one. And when the prophet wrote it down in in the scripture, he wrote it down as all one thing because that's how he saw it, all one thing. And Jesus stopped halfway through and said, this is what I have done today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Is what he says. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So that means that these things are ours now, aren't they? To proclaim liberty to the captives. This is not something about some day in the future. I have been declared free. Recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is what he came to do. So these are things we have. Is this something we hope for? No, it's something we have. I have this. I don't have to hope for what I already have. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, there's freedom. There's liberty. Not bondage. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. This is present tense. There is liberty. Not there will become liberty. Not someday there'll be liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. This is, this is stuff, we're going over stuff that we have. How many of you ever felt just in this life you're in bondage? In bondage to things, in bondage from people, in bondage to stuff. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, but you don't know where I work. Oh, but you don't know where I go to school. Oh, but you don't know what kind of a situation I live in. You don't know who my parents are. You don't know who my brothers and sisters are. You don't know about my relatives. You don't know about the neighborhood that I live in. It don't matter. None of that matters. What matters is where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is what? Liberty. Liberty. That's what I have. Do you know that too many Christians are not even living up to what they have? We're just, by, we're just bypassing this. We're under all kinds of bondage and things that people put us into. How many have ever done something for some because you feel guilty for them? Felt bad. That's bondage, isn't it? You didn't do it out of liberty. You did it because you felt like you had to. That's bondage. <laughs> we got to get out of the bondage state. We got to get out of that place where, I, well, I felt like I had to. I didn't, I didn't want to give that to him. But, you know, what was I supposed to do? You ever said something like that? Yeah, that you're not giving out of the goodness of your heart. You're not giving because God said to do something. Where's there a blessing in that? You're giving out of bondage. Don't give out of bondage. Give out of liberty. Serve out of liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we should be walking free of these things. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now really in the true Greek it's period there. They carried over part of verse 4. And copied it over there. But truly. There is therefore now. No condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. I can prove that to you. That period belongs there. Because is your righteousness based on the fact. Of whether you walk in the spirit or not. What's it based on? How Jesus walked. Your righteousness is based upon how Jesus walked. So therefore. We know there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Period. In Psalms 103, verse 10, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Oh, thank God for that. I mean, (laughs) hallelujah. Now, we're all glad that He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, but how many of you had some thoughts that you want God to deal with someone else about their sins? Look at that one over there. See what they're doing? Get them. Get him, God. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Oh, glory to God. And yet, how many Christians, how many believers are out there thinking, well, I must have done something wrong that this happened. You know what you're walking under? 
bondage. You got slipped right under our kind of bondage. And there's that hope coming out. You have the hope that uh, if I mess up down in the road, down in the future, I'm going to get something bad that ha- happened to me. And you're just confessing that hope right out of your mouth. You shouldn't be doing it. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. The devil wants to start hanging this up on you that, well, look what you did. God's going to get you for that. What's he saying in the Word of God? Nor punished us according to our iniquities. (laughs) That's liberty, isn't it? That's freedom, isn't it? For as the heavens are high above the earth. Are the heavens high above the earth? So great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. So great is His mercy to those who fear Him. But I'll tell you what, sometimes our our Christian mentality, we're of such a mindset that we think as soon as I step out of line, God's looking for an opportunity to smack me. He just loves that long arm of discipline. And as soon as I mess up, He's there. He's just going to... For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. He's not extending this mercy to everybody in the world, but to those who fear Him, His mercy is great. As far as the east is from the west. Now, you've heard this before, but you know you can go north for so long, but after a while, you're going back south again. But you can always go east. You can just keep on going east and east and east and east and never stop, would you? You're always going east. Then you can turn around and go west. And keep going west. And keep going west. And keep going west. It's not like north and south. North and south, you go north. After a while, you're coming south. Even though you haven't turned around. But it's not that way with east and west. So he says, so far as the east from the west, how far are they? (laughs) Well, if you can just keep on walking east and just keep on walking west and never get to the end, they're pretty far apart, aren't they? So far has He removed our transgressions from us. That's how far away it is. So He's trying to paint a picture here of how great the mercy of God is. How much it is that we don't get the penalty that we deserve. That He has not dealt with us according to our sins. But this is not the mentality that most people have. Well, you know, ten years ago, I got into that stuff and I guess it's catching up to me now. We have that mentality. That's a bondage mentality. And that kind of bondage mentality will get you into a hope confession that says, Oh, I just know something bad's going to happen to me down the road because I know what I did. And so we get this hope, even though it's not founded on the Word of God at all. It's not based on the Word of God. We get this hope that says, It's coming. And we just we just look for it to be coming. I just know it's coming. How did I, is it today? Oh, I got through today. Must must be tomorrow. But as soon as something bad happens, what do we think? Here it is. I knew it was coming. I told you it was. Didn't I tell you it was coming? Here it is. I I knew it. Mm. Don't be getting in that sort of stuff. You don't need to be need to be messing with it. That's why you don't get involved in horoscopes and and stuff like that. It's not like if you read them, you're going to be instantly possessed. But they sow seeds. Sure, most of them aren't going to come true. But they sow that seed. You know, this might happen to you today. And then one day something close to it happens. Or we just have that fear. It begins to, you know, you'll have an accident today. Oh, I can't drive anywhere. And then pretty soon we get bound up by the thing. That's how people get going with this. And they have to keep going in there and reading their horoscopes and, and, and stuff like that. And you don't need to be messing with that. No, I, most people I know on Facebook don't do this, but you know, since I have the Facebook account now, I get input from all these different people. And uh, one person, no one from this church, but you know, elsewhere, other countries, other states, and <laughs> things like that, they decided to to go on, and every day they'd put up their horoscope on their thing. Thank God that you can hide that stuff. So I just hit the little button that says hide, hide what, hide the horoscopes, hid hid the horoscopes. So if you know, if y'all are going to do that. I hide you. Not you completely. I just hide that stuff. But, you know, the, some of the folks from Rhema, we got, you know, they, Rhema, the people, they just go on down the list and say, hey, how you doing? Put me on your list. <laughs> so, so some of them, you know, I put on the list and, and things. But then after a while, you know, I have to keep clearing off stuff that they keep sending me. 
you know, because it's this, that, or the other thing, or you'll, it's just stuff that I wasn't looking to. So after a while, after after about three or four times, I got to hide something that they're doing. You know what I do? They're gone. They're hi- I hit them all the time. I don't even see them anymore. <laughs> they're still on there. Nobody here in this church, other places, because I want to keep my eye on you folks. <laughs> If you're going to start putting nasty stuff up there, I'm going to know about it. <laughs> no, I don't do it for that reason. I just love to, I just love to hear what's going on in your lives. You guys don't do anything like that, so don't go fearing about any that stuff. But I do have other people outside of the state that found me for whatever reason, and some random people I don't even know about. And, and um, most of those didn't put any horoscope. None of those did actually, but other people, he did. I don't want even when I'm showing up. I don't even want to take a glance at it. I don't need to. So, keep on going up there. Have some fun. Don't worry. I haven't hit anybody here in the church yet. Not planning on it either. So, he says here in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he will be a new creature. Old things will soon be passed away. Behold, very soon all things will become new. It's not right? What was wrong? I'm sorry. I read that the way we all live it. I mean, isn't this, isn't this the way we read it? We may physically read it differently, but in our minds, have we not processed it this way? Therefore, may any man be in Christ, soon enough he'll be a new creature. Someday out yonder, I'll be a new creature. Old things will one day pass away. Behold, very soon all things will become new. But that's not what he's saying. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, can you be in Christ now? He is a new creature. So then why are we having a confession based on a hope that we will one day be a new creature? Did we not say that you cannot have a a hope confession that is based on something you already have? Boy, I hope one day I get a car. Thought you had one. I do. Well, then what do you... We mess up the tenses. It's not right. This doesn't sound good. I am a new creature now. So when the devil comes on and taps on my shoulder, whispers in my ear stuff that I've done in the past, and I listen to him, what am I saying? I'm not a new creature. I'm not walking in the light of the fact that I am a new creature. Oh, yeah, I did that stuff. That was me. That's what I got into before. I'll probably get into it again. God will pay me back for having been involved with that. I know one day, you know, the punishment is coming for that. No, if... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. All things are become new. Every day we can wake up and say, thank God everything is new. Thank God. The iniquities that I've done, they're not coming back. As far as the east is one from the west, those things have been put away from me. And I can just have a confession of that. These are things that I have. It's a good thing to confess what you got. It's all right to confess what you have. I bet you that if, you know, one day you were in the in the office at the job and they said to, to you, we're going to give you a $5 an hour raise. That'd be all right, right? I mean, take a $5 an hour raise. Some of you would say, well, that's not enough. Well, you know, $5 an hour raise is, is pretty good. It's better. It's five dollars more than you were making before, right? So they came over to you and they said, oh, "We're going to give you a five dollar an hour raise." And and how many of y'all do this? Immediately you start calculating how much you're going to make this this next paycheck. Don't we do that? I, mean, I want to. I want to know how much am I going to get. So instead of getting this much, I'm going to get that much. If I was going to get a thousand, I get fifteen hundred or whatever amount I was going to be. And I'm counting. And what can I do with that extra money? Well, we have this bill over here. Boy, we can take care of that bill. I've got this situation over here. God's been dealing with me about that. We can take care of that. We can bless this person over here. We can... And all these different things that come to your mind or stuff you can do. And then you get your paycheck and the paycheck for exactly what you got before. How many of you are, are saying, well, I guess that's what I got before. I ought to be happy with it. No, what are you going to do? You're going to walk into the boss's nicely at first. You're going to walk into the boss's office and you say, I thought you said I got a $5 an hour raise. That's right. It's not in my paycheck. I, it, it's not there. And if he says, well, it won't take effect until next pay period, then you're okay with that, right? 
But if you got into the next pay period and it still wasn't there, how many of you are, are not just going to say, well, it was, it was a good thought. I do appreciate his effort to try and get that in there and to, and to boost it. No, what are you going to do? That's mine. That's my pay, pay increase. That's my pay raise. I, where's that $5? And now all of a sudden we, want, we can almost catch ourselves saying, I need that $5. You didn't have that $5 before, but I need it now. Because in my mind, I've done all these things with it. I've had all these confessions in my mind about what I'm going to do with that extra money. These are things that you've been given. Don't let the devil pull this away from you. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So God did not send His, wor- his Son into the world to do what? That's not the purpose of God, is it? And yet, too many Christians are being condemned for this and condemned for that and condemned for this, but that's not the purpose of the Son of God. If His purpose is not to condemn the world, why are we walking around condemned? Whose purpose might it be? Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's a pretty good purpose right there, isn't it? For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. But we've got a mentality that he's not merciful. That eventually he's going to get fed up. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. He'll put it out. We shouldn't even be coming to God and say, Oh God, I keep messing up in this area. I keep doing this over here. He says, the lawless deeds, I will remember no more. No more. Glory to God. Well, We see that God's purpose is to set people free. That's His purpose. God's purpose is to set people free. He sent His Son for the purpose of setting people free. So whatever the ministry of Jesus Christ is, it is to set people free. Don't see any other ministry from it. This is what He does. This is what He's working towards. Well, we should walk as uncondemned people, shouldn't we? We shouldn't be walking around condemned. Have you gotten condemned because of what other people said? Have you gotten condemned because of what you're thinking God thinks about you? Have you gotten condemned because other people are saying this about how you're walking in the Christian life? John 8, verse 10. When Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, the woman you know, was brought to him, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And what did she say? <laughs> no one. They're all gone. She's looking right at Jesus. There's no one that condemns me. You mean she didn't see Jesus as condemning her either? And Jesus even straightened it out for her. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, there is more power in going to sin no more when you leave uncondemned. And Jesus knew that. So that's what he says. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But Jesus is standing in front of the woman caught in sin, caught in the very sin that the the Word of God says she should have been stoned for in the Old Testament. And He just says, get up. Go and sin no more. Now, of course, you know they caught the woman. You cannot catch catch a woman in adultery without also, also catching someone else. I mean, that's just not possible. You have to catch them both. And only she was brought. So that tells you what was, you know, this is all planned. Probably the guy was involved in the plan. I think Jesus was more mad at the guy being involved bringing this person down than uh, what they were doing, but they didn't understand that. But he desires mercy. That's his desire is mercy. He's not out there to condemn everybody. You got to see him as that. Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not Remember your sins. I will not remember 
your sins. So why are we walking with condemned attitudes in front of God? If He has said, I will not remember your sins. I will remove your iniquities as far as the east is from the west. I will not remember your sins. Again, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He hasn't done it. I will not remember your sins. These are the things that we have to focus on. See, how we build hope up in the Word of God is to first off, expose what it is that we have. Secondly, we look at what is to come to us in the future. And then I have a confession based on the hope that is to come and make sure I understand that what I already have, I understand is mine. And then we don't get our hope confession messed up with our faith confession. I can go around and say, I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven of all my sin. That's not a hope confession. That's a faith confession. It is already done. It is already mine. But I can talk about what that leads me to in the future, and that's my hope confession. Faith confession is for things that have already been done for me, that have already been given to me, and I walk in now. Hope confession is what is coming, whether in this life or the life that is to come. And make sure that you have them both. You can go walk around and talk about things you already have now. Don't get the idea we've been focusing all this time having that confession of hope that everything we confess now has to be future. No, you can confess stuff that you got now. You know, we go out there all the time. I have a home. Is that not a confession? I have a car. Is that not a confession? I have money in the bank. Is that not a confession? It's okay to have those kind of confessions. It's also good, okay to have future ones. Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he. We can just walk around like that. The devil tries to come along and put us under guilt and condemnation for the things that we've done, for the sins that we have done in the past. And you just say, you go through all these verses of Scripture, I am clean. I have been, I have been justified. I have been cleansed. Those iniquities have been put away from me. And the Word of God says then, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. That's what it says about him. So after the devil wants to put all that on you, trying to knock you down, you can just say, thank you, devil. You just reminded me that because of the transgressions and I've been forgiven of those transgressions, I'm blessed. I am blessed. That's such a good verse of Scripture to go on. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Well, is God looking to go out there and, and bless all the sinners? He's looking to bless those people who will ask for His forgiveness, who will receive the work that He's done. And when they receive it, bless them. Not for their sins and transgressions, but bless them. They got out of it. They answered the call. Blessed is He whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Well, then we've got to make sure we walk in what we have. And Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. You cannot have full assurance of faith if you're walking around in condemnation. You have got to know that God's mercy has been poured out on me, God looks favorably upon me, and God is blessing me. You have got to understand that. You've got to walk in that. I put this in your outline. Should we ever expect to not possess what we have been given? Why would we expect that? Should we ever expect to not possess what we have been given? Sometimes Christians' uh, confessions are based upon that. Well, I hope God doesn't stop forgiving me. Oh, I hope God doesn't uh, go and remember my sin because I've blown it again. And we get these wrong confessions mixed in, these wrong expectations. But what God has given us is ours. What God has blessed us with, He has blessed us with. It's going to stay with us. He has forgiven us. Why in the world are we listening to contrary thoughts? That's why we got to go back into the Word of God and just meditate on these things again. Well, that's all the stuff that we have. We don't build up a hope, a hope confession based on what we have. We, base, we have a hope confession based on what is to come? What's coming for me? Well, in Isaiah 55, verse 7, 
Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let the wicked forsake his way. If you're going away, and you've realized this is the wicked way, this is the wrong way, this is the wrong direction, let the wicked forsake that way. And the righteous man his thoughts, or the unrighteous man his thoughts, don't just, not just the way you're walking, get rid of the thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. If we have ever missed it, if we have ever walked away, if we have ever gone down an avenue that we should not have gone, this is the attitude that we should have. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I put this in the future part because how many of us have ever thought, you know, down the road I might miss it. I might go in a wrong direction. I might head down a wrong path. What happens then? And we might get into some guilt and condemnation about it. And if we ever find ourselves walking down that way, oh, we can get condemned. No, we are abundantly pardoned, is what God says. I will abundantly pardon you. Yeah, but just last week, just last month, just last year, I was, I was walking this way. I did this thing over here. I had these thoughts. So what? And the devil may come along and say, yeah, but you know, that may come back on you and you might have those thoughts again. And you might go that way again. And you may walk this way. He will abundantly pardon. All I have to do is return to the Lord. He will abundantly pardon. So there, there is a, abundantly, God abundantly pardons. That's the thing we've got to remember about Him. That's a hope. When we have our hope confession of what is the future, about where we're going, my hope confession must always be mindful of the fact that God abundantly pardons. Thank God for that. He abundantly pardons. It's best to stay out of sin, isn't it? Isn't it better? But if we do fall into sin, our God abundantly pardons. John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him has sent me, who is, who, my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. That's what I've got, right? And shall not, future, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. How many Christians have you ever heard, well, I hope when I get in the pearly gates that St. Peter lets me in. I hope when I get over there in the great by and by that uh, they'll, they'll let me through. That somehow I'll get it. What is that confession? That's not a confession based on the hope of the Word of God. That's a confession based on people's opinions and what people think about it and all that. Now get that out. I gotta know. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. I have that. If I have everlasting life, folks, I'm not dying. Uh, my physical body will die, but my spirit will live on. I won't have that have to face that spiritual death. Therefore, when I get before the judgment seat, it'll be just fine. Understand, there is no judgment seat that we will face that God says, all right, let's see how you did. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, this one's kind of borderline. What do you think over there, Gabriel? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Michael, what do you think? All right, well, we got two thumbs up, one thumbs down. We need a tiebreaker. You know, going out there and get some opinions out here. No, we don't do all that sort of stuff in heaven, do we? If you show up at the gate, guess what? You get in. <laughs> if you go up, it's good. If you go down when you die, it's bad. It's not so good. It's decided from the time you die where you're going. You never come before a judgment seat to say, well, let's see how good, you, how good it is. Closest thing to that is the judgment at the end of the tribulation. But God just goes on through and picks out all the bad ones. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And picks them all out. And leaves the good ones behind. We covered that in the parable this uh, last Wednesday. So life, not death. We are abundantly pardoned and we have life, not death. This is what awaits for me in the future. First John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this has to do with the present, but does it not also have to do with the future? 
when I, have, when I miss it in the future, is this not what God will do? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So these are the kind of confessions that we should have. Out of our mouth should come. The devil wants to put, put a thought in there. Oh, what if you miss it tomorrow? If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Glory to God, I'll be forgiven tomorrow. What about the next? I'll be forgiven the next day. And we keep having this as a, com- as a confession. We keep holding on to this. I will not be brought into guilt and condemnation by the devil. I have been armed with the Word of God to keep me from doing it. And then he'll try and come in with another thought. Well, that's awful prideful of you. I mean, all these people in the world and you're over here talking about how you're going to heaven. How are you so much better than everybody else? You're not better. You're just saved. You're just forgiven. That's all. Thank God for that. So there is a complete cleansing. A complete cleansing. We've got life, not death. And we've been abundantly pardoned. And there is a complete cleansing. Well, here's the next one. In John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is freedom. There is freedom. Freedom comes to us. But what brings it? Truth. So the more truth I know, the more what I have. The more freedom I have. So why should I learn the Word of God? For freedom. The more the Word of God I learn, the more free I am. How freeing it is to find out that when I get to heaven, I don't have to wonder about getting in. Isn't that that liberating? Isn't that freeing? Aren't you glad the Word of God taught that and not what some of these bozos are out there teaching? (laughs) Oh, well, you just hope and pray. Maybe you'll get through. (laughs) And and those terrible funerals. I haven't been to one in a long, long time. Last time I was, I was in shock. They still went on. But you know, the well-meaning, I'm sure, but ignorant pastor gets up there and starts talking about, well, let's all just pray that so-and-so gets on over to the other side. That God sees in His great mercy to let them on through. That we can fellowship together. What do you mean? Their life here decided it, not my prayers afterwards. That's an ignorant prayer. And that's basing a hope that is not based on the Word of God. But you hear people going around all the time saying, Oh, I hope Aunt Susie made it in. Or we're praying for her that she gets over on the other side. We're trying to push her through. I mean, come on. Either she made it or she didn't. Either she went up or she went down. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And it has nothing to do with how well you lived your life. Your position in the next kingdom is determined by what you did. But the fact that you got in there is based upon what he did. Thank God. That's what our confession is based on. These silly funerals that go on and just uh, they're just moaning and all day long, just trying to, oh, Father God, in your great mercy, see fit to let this one in. Dear Lord, <laughs> they're supposed to be a teacher of the things of the Word. No more ignorant than the people they're probably praying over. That's ridiculous. They should be embarrassed. I get embarrassed for them. I'd like to go up to some of them and just slap them. But alas, we've got freedom. We don't need to have that sort of stuff. We go and have a funeral. We already know. Were they born again? If so, party time. Hallelujah. It may be sad because we missed them, but hallelujah, they're in a good place. Oh, it's good. We're just thinking about how good life is for them. And if it wasn't so good, well, then we focus on the people that are alive. There's still a chance for you. Get in! (laughs) Get in. Don't be like brother so-and-so here. He died and he's a sinner. Sometimes we're afraid to come on out there and say that. Some people, you know, you just know they were a sinner. Some people you hope they weren't. Maybe you're not sure about everybody, but there are some people you know you can just tell. No, they were a sinner. <laughs> That's just the way they, they didn't repent to God or come to God. And I've heard people who have uh, you know been with, with uh, folks on, on life and death situations on a, on a regular basis and, and people who watched them die say it is such a different thing to watch a believer die than an unbeliever. That it is terribly horrible to watch an unbeliever die. I'd take them at their word. So some of you folks in the health profession can uh, concur with that a whole lot more than I could. 
you know, usually when a preacher gets called in, it's, it's usually too late. <laughs> it's all there over. <laughs> mm. But you folks are nursing them, taking care of them all the way along. Romans that chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me, has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's freedom there. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When he says there is therefore now no condemnation, he's speaking about it for this reason, for this way. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a law that's in operation. The best example I ever heard of this is there's a, there's, there's a law of gravity. But there's also a law of lift and thrust. And when we tap into the law of lift and thrust, we cannot negate the forces of gravity, but we can use the forces of gravity with the law of lift and thrust and cause an airplane to fly. An airplane does not defy gravity. An airplane just uses gravity different. But an airplane won't fly if there's no gravity. You all know that, right? Lift and thrust does not negate it. It just takes the energy of gravity in a different way. And you have a plane that flies on through. Well, it's the same thing with, the, with God. There are laws that are in operation that will try and pull us down. But the law of liberty is there. He's got a law here. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's what we're supposed to be walking into. That's what we are to do. There is a freedom there. Our hope, confession, should be based upon these freedoms. These are freedoms that God has given us. I have been made free. Does my confession have that over it? We have been made unfree, not only by thoughts and wrong teachings that have come to us from the Word of God, just as truth liberates, truth can, or false truth can bind up. That's why it's so important that you stay listening to, to good word and that you get people that are going to teach you the liberty and the life of God's word and listen to those folks. Feed on that sort of stuff. Don't listen to that bondage mentality. Don't listen to those folks that are out there teaching bondage. Well, you just can't ever tell. You just never know what the will of God is in the situation. You just hope that it's good for you. Just can't ever tell. God wants you to live or die. Just they will pray and hope. God wants you to live. If you die, I guess He wanted you to die. That's the wrong kind of hope. That's not Bible hope. And then people come along. Not just the devil, but people come along and they put things in your head. How many times have you done things for people even though down in your spirit you felt like it wasn't a good thing to do? But people guilted you into it. Well, I really need this. Especially with needs. Sometimes, you know, people have a need. And you've ministered to a person, maybe in your family, maybe a, a neighbor, maybe someone close to you. You've ministered, helped them out. And down in your spirit, you're hearing in your spirit, don't do that again. And then they come on over and they lay that guilt trip on you. Oh, we're all going to die next week if we don't get some help. Oh, they're going to put us out. They're going to, and they have all kinds of terrible things. And down in your spirit, you know what the Spirit of God said to do. But then you hear this person speaking this way. What do you end up wanting to do? And we give in. So what did we do? We let guilt, we let guilt come in and have us do something that down in our spirit we knew don't do it. We, we shouldn't do that. Remember Samuel? Samuel would see Saul and he'd feel guilty for Saul. He'd feel this. And he'd get down and he'd start praying for, for Saul. Even though God had said, I've rejected him. Eventually God got tired of him. He said, get up. Quit praying for the guy. I've already told you I've rejected him. So stop praying. Get up. Get out there and take care of the this uh, other matter over here. Well, he did it. But don't let people guilt you into stuff. That's not going to help you out. That's not bringing you into a place of freedom. Liberty. Nah, walk in freedom. Walk in liberty. Follow what the, the Spirit of God says to do. James chapter 1, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. Is that not future? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one 
will be blessed in what he does. So there's some conditions that are put on this. But if I follow these conditions, I have a hope, don't I? If I do this, and I do that, and I walk this way, this will happen. Well, can I have a confession that bases on that? Can I have a confession that says, this one will be blessed in what he does? Can I have a, conv- uh, a confession that's based on the fact that whatever I do, God's going to bless? Can I not stand up in front of people and say, if you give that to me, I'll do it better than anybody? Well, that's awful prideful of you. No, sir, I just realized what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that I, as a believer, if I do this and this and this, God will bless whatever I put my hand to. And you'll, you'll benefit from it. You don't believe me? Give it to somebody else. Then give it back to me. See, see the difference. Tell people that sort of stuff. God will bless you. If, if you believe it, God will bless you. But you've got to believe it. God will bless whatever it is. Whatever it is. Do you know that God is, impor- is interested in what it is that you're doing? I told probably a long time ago, told you some of the stories, but we first got wind of some of these kind of teachings down there at Ramah. And, and some of us were talking about it. And we decided to take it over to the place we worked. And so we started saying, Father God, we just pray blessings down the place that I worked. Now, I worked, I was about the only Christian there. I think there's one or two other people uh, here and there came on through, but generally they were all heathens. I was about the only Christian there. And so I began to pray. I know other people, they prayed in their, their line of business and what they were doing. You know, we get together and compare notes and what was, what was happening. And so we prayed, Father God, just bless this business, bring in people to buy pizzas. And we did that, you know, for, and business was picking up. And one time we prayed it, and I remember, oh, I remember distinctly, it was a Thursday. I remember it's a Thursday because on Thursday you have a certain staff for a pizza place. The busiest night in the pizza industry is Friday. The second busiest is Sunday. The third busiest is Saturday. The fourth busiest is Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday all kind of rumble together. They're all about the same. But Thursday is the fourth busiest day of the week. So you have a staff on hand to take care of the fourth busiest day. There is a big difference, though, between a Thursday and a Friday. On a Friday night, everyone who works at the pizza restaurant is on duty. If they only come in for three hours, between five and eight, then they come in for three hours. But everyone is on staff because that place is nuts. Boy, do people like to buy pizzas on Friday. If you ever wanted to call some places and they don't have specials on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the reason is they don't need them. They need them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to get people in those days. So we had Thursday. We had Thursday staff. And we got hit with a Friday rush with a Thursday staff. We were just so glad to get through and to survive the night and to have satisfied everybody with pizzas. But you have to make sacrifices along the way because you can't do that work with that staff and get everything done. And so the sacrifices we made along the way is we did not wash a dish that did not need washing. And we didn't give them dirty dishes. No, don't think that idea. If, if we could stock them in the back room and pile them up, we, we put them in the back room. We'll hit them later. We had piles of dishes in the back room. If we got to a place, we need some cups. We would run some dishwash stuff to the dishwasher and get some cups so that they had some, some stuff to do. But we were, you know, how many cups do you need? Will four do? All right, get four, some plates, and some silverware. Run them through. Because <laughs> our dishwasher washed dishes in two to three minutes. I mean, it was fast. It would, re- hot water too, really hot. I mean, kill your hands if you ever got them in there. And so we were doing this and... and it just was so busy. And so after the night is over, we had to clean up. And it took us, well, Thursday night you close it down at 10 o'clock. The other nights, uh, Friday and Saturday, you close it down later. We had to close down at 10 o'clock. We did not leave the pizza parlor until 3 a.m. in the morning. Now, I had to be up at 6 a.m. for school. And so after a while, I began to come to, to a, a wisdom on this sort of thing and said, you know, on school nights, we don't want to be so busy. <laughs> yeah. you know, going to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning getting up at 6 it might be good for them but I'm here to go to school I really want to get in there and be in school and be awake and not get in there on 2-3 hours of sleep and then uh, you know, trying to sit through class so we, we wised up with that one but I um, you know, I had to uh, sell Kelcher's horseradish you know, horseradish how much does God like horseradish apparently God likes horseradish I mean he created it right 
And I went on down there. When they first gave me the Kelsey Horseradish route, they told me it was saturated. All you have to do is maintain it. And I doubled it. Totally doubled. The, the, the sales were doubled. I increased it again and then left them. Went down away for a year. And when they got somebody to replace me, they said they, had a, they put two people on the truck and two people took two extra days to do what I did. Four days, two people to do what I did in two days. And I came back in a year and they said, we can't believe what you did down there. I said, look, take more time. Take, you don't, don't feel like you've got to do this in two days because it was still the same route. They hadn't changed it at all. Don't feel like you've got to do it in two days. Take some more time. So they gave me more time and they gave me more territory. They gave me the entire East Coast. And they said, have at it. And so they gave me more time to do it. And so I took more time and I doubled the route again. And I didn't stay with them quite as long, but I not only doubled again, I, I, I increased it above that. And I would keep logs of all the things I would sell. I kept better logs than any other driver they had. Their production manager could rely on my logs, not his own, because he knew mine were better. And he said, how many cocktail sauces are you going to need next week? And I would tell him, because I knew exactly how much I was doing. But before I left there again, well, there's, this, there's this huge, huge company. And for the longest time, because I knew I could sell anything I wanted to, because God blessed me. And for the longest time, it says, do not sell this company this product. They will break us. Do not sell it to them. And I would keep pondering, you know, asking them, you know, are we ready yet? Can I sell it to them? And finally, one year, they said, we got a new machine. We can now make as many of those things as you need. Go ahead and sell it. I went in into the biggest, the biggest customer out in South Jersey and sold them on this product and then left the company. So they started to take this thing. I, I kept following up. How are they doing? It says, they are, we have doubled the amount of that product we're doing. And I had already increased that particular product to a level that I maxed them out. They could not handle anymore. It was a little portion control pack. Their entire portion control pack industry was based on what I did. I got them into some new lines. They said, we can't get into that line. I got them into the line. I put people out of business in South Jersey. There was a whole other guy who ran cocktail sauce. Put him out of business. He closed up shop. Somebody else came down from New York to try and take where he was at, and nobody would take him. I owned South Jersey. Drove everyone else out, and no one else could come on in. And everyone loved me. They loved buying the stuff from me. They loved the stuff. And, they, and we just had a good relationship and just took over the whole place. Why? Because God says, I will bless what you do. I will bless what you do. God will bless it. Understand, God will bless what you do. But you've got to stand up and start telling people about it. You've got to have a confession that says that. When you get in front of your boss, don't be over there, you know, well, I don't know if I can get that done. No, I can do it. Be like David. I can kill him. It's no problem. You need him dead? So I'm, your, I'm your guy. I'll kill him dead. He won't get up. I mean, isn't that what David's doing? I can do it. God will, what's he saying? Why is he saying it? Because God will bless the hands. God will bless what it is that I do. You've got to have that confidence. That's not being cocky in who you are. That's knowing what God said about you and having a hope confession. If you give that to me, it will be done better. And, and, and trust that it's going to be done good. Tell people that. James chapter 2, verse 2. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Walk this way. You believe in the law of liberty? Believe in the, the law of Jesus Christ to set you free? Walk that way. Second Peter 2.17. Catch what he is saying here. These, speaking of these uh, false teachers, these are wells without water, clouds carried by tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Well, you can get into a whole lot of things on that. But understand that people are out there trying to bring you into the same bondage that they are a part of. God wants you to bring you into the liberty He is part of. Just because somebody else is having a bad day doesn't mean you have to have one. Just because someone else feels like you should have done this for them doesn't mean you should have. What is God telling you about that? What does the Word of God say about that? What is the Word of God saying about you? And I mean, how many times have you offended somebody before? And you've gone over to them and you said, you know, forgive me for that. I, I blew it. 
I, I, I'm sorry I offended you. And they wouldn't. And they went off and, and uh, didn't follow after God anymore. And the devil wants to come over and say, you're responsible for that. You are not. They're responsible for it. It's their decision. And stop falling under the guilt and condemnation of that. No, no devil. I went over there. I confessed. I, I told them what it is I did. They decided to remain bitter and that was their own choice. And you walk free of that liberty. Stop being brought under condemnation by these things. Especially by other people. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. It takes work to stand fast, folks. It takes work to hold on to this way. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand fast in it. There are people all over who want to pull you out of this. Who want to pull you out of the hope of liberty. Who want to pull you out of this, this area of freedom that you've got. Do not let them. Just because they walk in this kind of bondage, Christians are not, doesn't mean that you have to. You walk according to what the Word of God says to do. You do what the Word of God says to do. And if you have questions, go back to the Word of God. What does it say? Does it say I'm responsible for that? It doesn't. And if it doesn't, then put it to them. You know what? I'm not responsible for that. You made that decision. I didn't make it. And stop blaming me for your own faults and failures. Kick them. Get them up. Well, I don't want to ever say that to somebody. Well, then you're always going to be letting them put you underneath that stuff. Don't do it. You don't need to let those people put you under. Love them. <laughs> Bring them into the liberty that you're in. Don't follow under the, into them and the bondage that they've got. How many people do you know try to lead you into their bondage? You have that around with people? Hey, do it Everyone's always trying to lead us into their bondage. Forget it, folks. Stay in the liberty. It's better. They're jealous of you because you have liberty. They want to get you out of that. Get you in the same misery they are in. I heard somebody say that about married people. You know why married people are always trying to fix up other people? They want to bring you in the same misery they're part of. That's right. <laughs> no, not always. Just, it just seems like some of those people that are married that are always the most aggressive are some of the most unhappy. People that are happy are just out there saying, yeah, go find your own happiness. It'll be good. They'll encourage you. But, the, but you know, people that are happy, they don't say, you've got to become like me. What do they say? Yeah, go, go with the way God tells you to go. Do what God says. God will lead you there. God hasn't led you to find somebody to marry yet. That's fine. If God leads you to find somebody to marry, that's fine too. They're all, they're all good with that. But people who are bondage, no, you've got to get married. Now. No, that's bondage. You don't, want to, you don't want to get into that. I wrote up this little confession. This is just based on some of the stuff that we're teaching here right now. And you can make these confessions up on the fly. Anytime you want to. I am free and I am blessed. I have been freed by Jesus Christ. So who can bring me into bondage again? The thoughts of my heart will be of liberty and not of bondage. I am free to serve people for the honor of my Savior, not for guilt. Serve people for the honor of our Savior, not because you feel guilty. That's how we do it. That's how we walk. Don't let people bring you in this. And have a confession that's based on the liberty that we've been brought into. We have been called into liberty. We have been brought into a place of liberty. God sent His Son to pay the price to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives. Why in the world are you going to be letting someone else come into your life and bring you into bondage, bring you into captivity? You do not need it. We walk free. We walk free. Do not let other people bring you into bondage. Do not let other people say, well, you did this, so you need to do... Th no. Don't let other people bring you into that kind of stuff. Study the Word of God out. What's the Word of God say about that thing? What do I have? What is promised is to come. And base your confession on that. Your confession should include things that, you're, that are already yours, but also things that are coming. When you have a confession about liberty, there are some things you already have. And there are some things that are to come. Truth will set you free? Absolutely. So, Father God, I thank You for more truth that comes my way. I thank You that I am always understanding Your Word more and more. That I am being led out of any teaching that has brought me into captivity thus far. And I am being brought into a place of greater liberty to help other people come into the same liberty that You have called me to. Thank You, Father. Oh, that's the kind of confessions we can have. Have a confession based on the Word of God. And be always having these things go in your head, go in your thoughts, go in your mouth, be coming out of you. Don't have thoughts of bondage. 
and certainly don't put other people under them. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for the glorious liberty that we have been set free to be a part of in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for this great life that we live with You. We are free because of what Jesus did. We are free from the law of sin and death. We are free from the bonds that kept us to the sin nature, that kept us into sin. Father God, we are walking in the glorious liberty. Jesus, the truth has set us free. And we walk in that truth. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.